Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for July has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are the best. Check them out at cashfly.com, C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them on 5x5. My guest this week is Dr. Paul Gibbons. He's the managing director and veterinarian of the Turtle Conservancy in, it's in Ojai, right, Paul? Yeah, it's in, in Ojai, California. Yeah. How's it going, Paul? I'm good. What are you up to these days? Um, all turtles all the time. <laughs> so so what is what is a turtle conservancy? Uh, well, I mean, our, our mission is to protect the most endangered turtles and tortoises in their habitats around the world. And what I do is take care of our our captive breeding center Um, we have 32 species and they're all endangered or critically endangered basically threatened with extinction and the way that we're valuable is that those species who who need to be bred in order to be saved from extinction we can help breed those and uh, use the offspring for conservation wow okay um and how many total turtles does your 30-some species add up to? Uh, well, the official answer is too many. Um, <laughs> because last year we broke 1,000, and um, it's just, it's a lot of turtles. So <laughs> <laughs> um, what what that means is that we're having great breeding success. Last year we hatched 294. So we went basically from around 700 to about 1,000. <laughs> and and that's that's a good thing, but it's it's um it's an issue that we wrestle with how to convert those offspring into something that saves the species from extinction. Am I crazy remembering that I was told once you have armed guards at the conservancy? Um, no, I mean you're you're right in a way. We don't have armed guards. We have a multi-layered security system because of the value of the animals, but. The armed guards are at the captive breeding center for plowshare tortoises in Madagascar. Oh, wow. Okay. So why are, why are these uh, turtles valuable? Like, to who are these turtles valuable? Um, I guess there, there are a couple of different groups. Um, we, for, for our New Year's event, um, 2013, we did a video called the trophy hunter and you can find that on our website at the turtleconservancy.org basically that described this personality type of someone who likes to collect women likes to collect art um just wants the you know if there's an endangered rhino they want to go out and shoot one and then mount it and put it in their living room so there there's this trophy hunter mentality for people who want extremely rare things um ivory, you know, all kinds of things. Um, so, so those people for very rare tortoises, like the plowshare tortoise, they're willing to pay tens of thousands of dollars. And then there's also this concept of traditional Chinese medicine. Right. And we have a few species that have a, a prominence in traditional Chinese medicine, so much so that people who have generations of, of uh, farming in their background and they will leave the farming lifestyle to search for turtles because if they find one, they can buy a house. Wow. <laughs> wow. 
Yeah. Um, okay. So, so you're working with basically like celebrities in the uh, in the animal world. Absolutely. Speaking of celebrities, you you rub shoulders with some uh, some celebrities in the process of working with turtles, don't you? Yeah, I, I have a I have an interesting job. Um, it's it's definitely a dream job for a veterinarian who's interested in working in reptiles to have this to be able to work with turtles all day every day is awesome. And there's this other layer because the Turtle Conservancy, our, our founder and president, is Eric Good. Eric Good got his name really in the 80s with a nightclub called Area. And it ran from, I think, 1984 to 1989. And this is, if, if, you're, if you're old enough to remember, I don't need to say any more. But um, if you have a fascination with the 80s, you can actually buy the book because Eric published a book on Area. And in it, the thing that I think is, it really defines it is this photograph standing at the door, looking out at the street, and there are virtually hundreds of people standing in front of the nightclub trying to get in, raising their hand, pick me, pick me. And, uh, and it was that kind of place. So that, I think, was really how Eric got connected with uh, a lot of uh, Hollywood personalities and um, uh, artists uh, like Andy Warhol and uh, Jean-Michel Basquiat, people like that. And, and those connections are, are still there today. So, so Eric helps leverage those connections to protect turtles and tortoises. So... I, I, maybe I should ask him this, but how does uh, a nightclub owner from the 80s get into turtles? <laughs> yeah, he probably should. I, actually, I think he would. he's told the story enough, and if you buy his book, it says it in there too, because um, he's just loved turtles all his life. He's one of those guys the, that has a face painted like a skull, and he looks at the camera and says, I like turtles. He's just one of those guys. <laughs> 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 all right. All right. And and then you are are you the only vet on staff at the conservancy? Yeah, that's true. I um I occasionally have interns, veterinary students. Um maybe someday if we reach that funding level, we could uh hire a resident or something. Um I'd I'd love to have some veterinary support, but for now it's me. You and a thousand turtles. That's right. All right. So you used to live in Minnesota. Yeah, I love Minnesota. Winona especially. <laughs> yeah, I didn't I didn't mention yet that we're actually old friends. Um yeah. I was at your wedding. That's right. I wore a kilt. You did. You did. <laughs> it was not the first time I'd been at a wedding with a kilt wearing groom though. It's That's happened. okay. It's happened. It was, it was fun. Are you Irish? Or is it just I, she's Irish? Yeah, Scotch Irish. Um, okay. So that's that's kind of where the the kilt and I and I learned that in preparing for the wedding, because I had always thought we were just Irish Irish, but it, it turns out that um, it's Clan McClellan, which is a Scottish clan. Do they make the whiskey? No, I'm thinking uh, McClellan, think, not McClellan. I think they make the candy bar. I didn't know there was a candy bar. Yeah, it's kind of a nutty, uh, uh, pasty, sticky candy bar. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a candy bar. No, eh. it's. I bought some in Canada, but I, I I haven't seen them much in the states. So I guess your Twitter handle is. Let me try it. Kasakaquag. Yep. And that has something to do with uh, with the Upper Midwest. What's the story there? 
Yeah, so that that's a good connection. Um, all right, I, I went to veterinary school, and okay, even further back when I was a kid, I lived on a typical suburban block in uh, Edwardsville, Illinois, and I was probably. 10 or 11, and this family moved in from Minnesota, which to me was absolutely the great white north. And they were the just, you know, they talked about these massive fish and this amazing wild lifestyle. So I always had this dream that I might want to move to Minnesota. Then I went to veterinary school and I looked for work in Minnesota. The first job I found, um, well, the best job that I found was in Winona, which is, you know, it's right on the Mississippi. Uh, it's this really incredibly beautiful. I, I drove across the river from La Crosse, Wisconsin, and you turn north and drive up with, there's these rock cliffs, and there was actually ice, giant icicles on those cliffs, and you, you, you look out over the river, it's about a mile wide with these islands on it. It's absolutely beautiful. So I fell in love with Winona, and that job was great because I had enough time off that I could actually take some vacation, which I rarely do now, but when I did, I would every year I would spend time in the Boundary Waters and and Quetico, which is that Quetico Superior National Park is Boundary Waters and and Quetico together. Um, Quetico is in northern Ontario, so this lake is one that you really have to earn. It's a uh, it's a really beautiful, um, highly wilderness lake that you have to go through uh, a portage that's about I think it's about a half a mile. And that's that's a pretty good cutoff. Most people won't take a half a mile portage. So when you get there, you have this awesome lake to yourself, and uh, it's got some great walleye in it. So you fish? I I I fish like that. So <laughs> if if you if you're out in the wilderness, um, you know you can carry some freeze dried food, but it's it's great to fish and eat what you catch. But I, I don't I don't fish a lot otherwise. Have you ever fished in California? I did. I went with some friends uh, probably about six months ago out on the, the ocean. We did some some fishing, deep sea fishing, and uh, it bet, was it was fun, but not the same. I bet they have some big fish out there in the ocean. Yeah, I caught a caught a nice big barracuda. That was nice. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um. So so yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I've been up, uh, to the boundary waters, but I, I shudder to think what a half mile portage would do to me these days. <laughs> it's a, a, yeah. Um, you, you, as you get older, you get lighter and lighter equipment. So I bet, <laughs> I bet you could do it. You just have to bring lighter equipment. Maybe that's just because technology advances and they start making lighter equipment. Well, you can get a canoe that weighs under 40 pounds and it'll do everything you need. That's less than my beer gut weighs. <laughs> um, so, so aside from from canoeing, you also do some sailing. Yeah, um, I, I have to thank my brother for allowing me to do that in my adult life because he has a great catamaran on the San Francisco Bay, and I try to get up there whenever I can to go sailing with him. We were out. Um, uh, it was about three weeks ago, and. We tried to go up to Drake's Bay, which is at Point Reyes, and and it's a lot of fun because there's a, a oyster farm there. It's been a subject of controversy lately. People probably heard about this Drake's Bay oyster farm and um, the Park Service 
and they want to close the oyster farm down. And, and so there's some debate about whether oysters are a good sustainable farming or are they destroying habitat? And I don't, I don't have an opinion, but this sail is a lot of fun because you can sail up there. And then that bay has one of the largest populations of um, uh, harbor seals because it's protected from sharks. So you go in there and there's these harbor seals everywhere and these uh, crates with oysters in them. And you go up to the little shop and buy some oysters and go back to the sailboat and uh, barbecue oysters on the sailboat. A lot of fun. Have you been to the uh, the seal, like, pier, I think it's Pier 51 in San Francisco? I have, yeah. And they, they have a lot of um, harbor seals and they also have the California sea lions. Sea lions are... Right. Um, pretty common site there yeah well i went and there were like probably a hundred of them on six six rafts yeah and there was the whole backstory about how they got there and i've forgotten it but they just come back every year they're not captive there they just swim in and hang out and and like every that. once in a while they disappear i just read yeah. something a couple of weeks ago how they're gone and it's nobody's really worried about it because it happens every once in a while and nobody knows where they go but <laughs> yeah, but they're usually there in in masses. Yes, yeah. Uh, do you do any work with uh, anything that's not a reptile these days? Not in a long time. I, I my first specialty was birds, and um, I did some fun projects with the United States Geological Survey and with the um, the the another government agency at uh, Red Rock Lakes. <laughs> Did you just have a Rick Perry moment? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but putting in radio and satellite transmitters and, and then you can get online and you can track the migratory patterns of the birds as they, they migrate up North. That's pretty cool stuff. That sounds um, pretty cool. Yeah. So tell me just, this is a question that is probably way too huge, but, What's it like doing veterinary work on reptiles versus working at the local clinic and handling cats and dogs? Um, well, sometimes you have to remind yourself how awesome it is. <laughs> <laughs> after after a while, you you know, just like when you do anything over and over again, sometimes you forget how incredible it is. And then every once in a while, you'll have a student or a visitor, and they are blown away by what you're doing every day. So it, it's hard to remember how how amazing it is but reptiles are different you know they their warmth comes from outside so you're responsible for providing their warmth and um and they they get sick if you don't that's a, a major difference between the typical everyday thing but but there's also a lot less general information and background and knowledge on how to care for them and what what their medical needs are you know they're um I don't know, somewhere around 9,000 species. The number keeps going up of reptiles. And there are a lot less mammals. Um, I don't know, five or 6,000 mammals. But even so, when you do regular veterinary practice, you're usually working with a half a dozen species at the most. And it's, it's common. I mean, well, I have 32 at work, and that's normal for a, a day in the life of a reptile practitioner. It, 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 and the species, you can't say... Reptiles are one thing. You know, if, the, if, if there are 9,000 species, it's just like the difference between a, a horse versus a cow versus a dog or a cat. They're very, very different, and they have very different kinds of medicine. So it, it requires um, – it, it, it keeps your mind going. You know, I, I, I think maybe it helps stave off Alzheimer's disease. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, what, 
name a difference. If I'm looking at two creatures that both look reptilian and have shells on their back, what's the like? What's one thing that could be a vital difference between the two from a medical perspective? Okay. Um, well, there's a there's a tortoise. Let's say the radiated tortoise from Madagascar. They live in hot, dry places, kind of a classic high-domed shell with legs that look like an elephant, and they eat plants. Compare that to a um, impressed tortoise, which is from Southeast Asia, um, Thailand, um, into Myanmar, and basically Southeast Asia. They live in forest environments uh, between 800 and 2,000 meters elevation, and they eat mushrooms, and they pretty much only eat mushrooms. And those two species have um, their intestinal tract is completely different. When you're adapted to eat grasses like a radiated tortoise, there's a lot of fermentation that goes on in the gut, whereas mushrooms, they uh, digest very easily, very quickly. The proteins and nutrients are readily available, so they have a much smaller intestinal tract without a with all that fermentation. Wow. Like if, yeah, to me, like turtles eat fruit. Like that's <laughs> how much I know about turtles. I don't there, know. There are some turtles that eat some fruit. A yeah. little bit. Well, so if, <laughs> if I, if I ever had to save a turtle, I probably shouldn't start with feeding it fruit. I should probably uh, look up on the internet and figure out what it is first. Huh? Try worms first. Worms. eh? We, my wife rescued a snapper the other day. Did you see that picture? No. I, where was it? Oh, I don't know. It was. Oh, wait, 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 wait. It was downtown, I think. Because it was some guy at a bar that called it in. And, and she's she's the local turtle rescue. Yeah, she is. <laughs> <laughs> and, and it was like cornered and hissing at people. And well. I mean, those are dangerous. Yeah. There are very few turtles that are dangerous. I mean, the vast majority are very peaceful and they keep to themselves. And if you offer food, they might accidentally bite your finger because they think it's food. But snapping turtles protect themselves. Yeah. Um, Is that like a a leftover evolutionary kind of... uh, do, Do you think that it's a remnant of times past or did they evolve to be uh Fighters. Boy, that's a good question because I mean I don't think that they really have any more predators than other turtles. I mean, but snapping, are, they, are they more snap- predatory? Yeah, sure. Yeah, they they eat anything that moves. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they would eat small children if <laughs> if they weren't weren't moving fast enough. Um, but they eat fish and worms, um, snails, you know, things like that. Uh, whereas most turtles are, they eat things that are not moving so much. Um, the average turtle or tortoise eats a plant or like you said, maybe rotting fruit. Uh, a worm is exciting cause it, it moves a little bit, but <laughs> snapping turtles can eat fish. So that, that takes skill. Yeah. I, I, I can't even catch fish. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to take a quick sponsor break and, uh, and then we'll come back. All right, our first sponsor today is Text Expander from Smile. Saves you time and effort by expanding short abbreviations into frequently used text and pictures 
including fill-ins to customize your common responses. You can save time and effort with Text Expander. Whether it's a simple email signature or several paragraphs of a standard response, you'll love how easy it is to use Text Expander to avoid typing the same thing over and over. Uh, you can also make customized boilerplate re- replies fast and easy using fill-ins. You can use the built-in groups for HTML, CSS, autocorrect, accented words and symbols, and just as you type, like in the case of accented words, if you type protege, it'll automatically replace it with the correctly ex- accented version. Um, insert the current date and time in any format you prefer, and create snippets from Apple scripts and shell scripts for powerful integrations. For some great examples of that, you can go to my website at brettsherpshire.com slash te-snippets. Um, and you can sync your snippets via Dropbox and use them on multiple devices with Text Expander Touch on iOS. Text Expander is available from Smile for uh, $34.95. And a free demo is downloadable at smilesoftware.com slash TextExpander. And TextExpander Touch for iOS is available on the App Store for $4.95. And a list of supported apps is found at smilesoftware.com slash apps. I would recommend very highly that everyone go check that out. And, okay. So, Paul, have you had any good turtle adventures? Uh. Yeah, we not we don't just breed turtles in a captive environment in Southern California, but we also protect habitats around the world, and we work to help um, save those species from whatever threats are are causing them trouble. So here's an example in in Myanmar, um, formerly called Burma, but today I think they prefer Myanmar. The Burmese star tortoise is uh, it's the, the classification is functionally extinct in the wild, which means that the, the populations are so small that they are going to become extinct. That's, that species is extinct because it's valuable. People used to eat it, but they don't really eat it anymore. Now it's just valued for the pet trade, the collector kind of thing. And um, in fact, in, in some countries, They'll take baby Burmese star tortoises and give them as a wedding gift. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure very few um, new newlyweds really want a couple of turtles. But, you know, there's that uh, good luck, long life. That's if, if you ask people that's around the world, but especially in Asia, you know, what do you think of when you think of turtles? They think of good luck, long life. So you give turtles as a wedding gift. Anyway, that's driven this species to extinction. And we... Last fall, we went to Myanmar and working with a couple of partner organizations, we did a health assessment and we marked these turtles with a symbol. Um, I've been developing a tattoo technique that will allow you to tattoo the shell. And in Myanmar, something like 90% of the people are Buddhist. It's, uh, uh, you know, the whole country worships Buddha and, and Buddha can do great things for you. He can bring you peace. He can bring you nirvana, um, help you to make good choices in life, but he can't help protect your home from thieves or help you win the lottery. And so in Myanmar, they have this group of natural spirits. Um, they, they're called gnats and the white horse rider protects the scent, the forest of the central dry zone, which is where Burmese star tortoises live. Uh, this guy, the white horse rider, if 
if you harm the forest in any way, if you cut down a tree or um, if you steal a tortoise, then he will exact retribution. Like you, he might make you fall off a cliff or you might be struck by lightning or you might die of some serious disease. There's a symbol that evokes the power of those gnats and it's Sada Pawa. That's four letters in the Burmese alphabet. So we tattooed Sada Pawa <laughs> onto the shell of these tortoises to help protect them so people wouldn't steal them from the forest. And, and when you say tattoo, is it like an engraving or is a shell not? How is a shell like living tissue? The shell is living tissue like like your fingernail. So it's a it's a heavily keratinized hard shell, but right beneath it, um, it's like four tenths of a millimeter thick in the Burmese star tortoise. So underneath it is the the, the skin, the germinal layer of the the skin and bone directly underneath that. So you don't have to penetrate very far. And then you you literally are tattooing and not just carving. Yeah, you deposit ink in the basal layer, which then as it uh, as new shell is formed, it'll be just like skin and people where the ink is slowly released over time. That's crazy. Um, so you, do you, do you travel a lot in this, uh, in this job? Um, it, it's been more and more last year. I, I went to Asia, um, three times. I, I went to Myanmar twice. I was in Th- Thailand twice and, um, I went to Singapore and then I, I also wound up for a little while in Mexico last year and in Russia. I went to Wisconsin and California, I guess. No, that's amazing. That's a lot of uh, really cool travel. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's been, it's been, like I said, it's a dream job. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it makes me want to become a vet just to live your life. (laughs) Um, Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) I I assume you're saying that not because I'm incapable of becoming a vet, but because uh, the jobs are in uh, rather high demand. Yeah. I I mean, I don't have a formula to tell you how to get this job. I I mean, volunteering, maybe. I I have 11 years of post-secondary education, but that's not really what got me this job. Um, Partly it is. I, I mean, that's because of that, I could be in a position to volunteer for the Association of Reptilian and Amphibian Veterinarians, which I, uh, I started just a few years out of veterinary school. And um, it just so happened that I was the president of the Association of Reptile and Amphibian Veterinarians when this group was looking for a veterinarian to manage the center. And so it was kind of, um, you know, just right place, fortune. right time. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. So what kind of tech do you use? Um, I know that I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you have some advanced medical equipment, but day to day, do you carry, do you carry a smartphone with you? Yeah, actually a lot of zoos carry two way radios and, and we have abandoned that and we use the, uh, I think we, yeah, we, all but one of us has an iPhone, which, which actually is a problem sometimes <laughs> because it's so convenient to communicate iPhone to iPhone and um, we have one holdout, but we use those <laughs> as our, essentially as our radio. We call each other, we text each other. The The property is five acres. So uh, we have a staff of five and, you know, we're all not always right next to each other. And um, we, so yeah, we, we use smartphones for that, but um, 
there there aren't really apps that I use that are special for turtles or tortoises. Um, but I mean, I speak Spanish every day. One of our employees prefers Spanish over English. And uh, right now we have a couple of interns from uh, Sweden. And the reason I hesitated there is because he, he kept using the word Swiss and Switzerland. And I had to correct him. So I used a translator app to show him the difference between Sweden and Switzerland. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. To, you know, my Spanish isn't that great. And so I was like, wait a minute, I think that's the wrong word. So, uh, yeah, translator app. <laughs> and and you, you just like Google Translate or do you have a good one? Um, well, I, I, I shouldn't say I didn't mean that Google's is bad. It's actually pretty good. But <laughs> no, it's it works well. And so it's convenient. And that's the one I use. But I do have another converter that I will go to if I don't like what Google Translate says. And it, it converts everything from, uh, you know, units, um, area and weight and, you know, those kinds of units, which I use all the time. Uh, it also currency. Um, so I, I use it when I travel for currency. And then it also has a, a translator. Nice. Are any of your top three picks going to be apps? Um, no. Not okay. Really. Then tell me what, aside from your translator, what's your favorite app? Just in general on your phone right now. Uh, let me look at it for a second. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of boring. So I, I use like Mint. Um, to do my finances with Mint. And <laughs> I, I check it all the time. <laughs> Um, I've been using, so this is one of my top picks. Um, but so I won't tell you yet. Yeah. Um, I use, I use weather apps and, and I, I use the who is hot app, which is a uh, one way to access weather underground. I oh, like that one. okay. So it's not like a grinder kind of thing. It's, Never I, mind. forget I said I, that. <laughs> <laughs> it is a weather underground app. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but, but I use it because it gives you easy access to the history and I, I like to check the history, um, like the last 24 hours we get in there to work in the morning every day and we want to know how cold it was last night and we've got thermometers, we've got minimum maximum thermometers, but, um, they don't really tell you how long it was cold. They tell you what the minimum was. And in the wintertime, I like to know, was it, you know, 40 degrees for six hours or did it just drop for, you know, 15 minutes? So it's, it's nice to, to check that. Sure. Um, yeah, actually, I don't think I have any that show that kind of like 24 hour history. I can easily tell you what the temperature was a year ago. Yeah. But yeah, 24 hour history. That's unusual. Who is hot? Who is hot? I will make a note. I will link that in the show notes. Sweet. Um, well, I'm going to go ahead and jump to our second sponsor that I just got in my email. And then we're going to jump into the top three picks because it sounds like we'll have some stuff to talk about there. Um, our second sponsor today is HostGator, who offers Linux VPS hosting. And it's the perfect bridge between shared hosting and dedicated servers. Their VPS plans are completely customizable to match your specific hosting needs and can easily be upgraded to dedicated servers as your site grows. HostGator has fully managed 24-7, 365 support along with root access for complete control of your container and weekly off-site backups. They offer one-click installers for whichever compatible platform you use, and the servers are scalable, so adding more resources is easy. 
Visit HostGator.com and use the code DANSENTME for 50% off of all VPS hosting. All right, so, Paul, when we do the top three, we go back and forth, one at a time, and you get to start. Okay. I just got a Fiat 500E. What's, is that electric? It's all electric. Yeah, it's it's the little Fiat 500. Uh, it's the same shape as the Fiat Abarth, but um, it's it's not quite as sporty. Um, all electric, and it's really just great. I love it. It's a great commuter car. Have you seen the uh, Tesla Model S? I have not, but I haven't seen a Tesla less than something like $85,000. Yeah, no, they're not cheap. They're not cheap. The car is... It's something I aspire to, though. Well, the the salesmen, and so, you know, car salesmen, um, they have good things to say about what they have to sell. And what he said was this car, the 500E, was an attempt to make a working man's Tesla. That's uh, that's compelling. Um, yeah. Is it, is it fast? Yeah, it... it um, I think it was Motor Trend who said it'll lay 11s all day. And honestly, if you sit at a stop sign and you press on the gas, it will leave rubber on the road. Huh. Uh, that's the the thing about the Model S is that it actually has more acceleration than my current car, which is pretty good acceleration. Uh, my Audi and this is the the Model S is supposed to be able to just leave it in the dust and silently, like the idea of just whoosh, sticking <laughs> off like that. It's very, uh, very appealing. Well, um, one of my one of my friends, when I gave him a, a ride for the first time, he said it sounds like a car from the Jetsons. It does. It makes this little boop, 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 boop noise. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, I could I could see that being uh, amusing as long as I had some horsepower to back it up. Yeah, it's fun. I I like it. It's it's a lot of fun. Have you seen the new electric Harley Davidson? I saw something about that, but I didn't didn't look too heavily. Um, what do you know about it? Well, I, I only know what my wife has told me, actually. I'm looking at a picture of it right now. Uh, it, can, it can do 85 max, and uh, but it can go about 60 miles on a single charge. And it's supposed to have like uh, almost a turbine sound, like something that you can still annoy your neighbors with. <laughs> like because I mean, really, what's the point of having a Harley? Right. Well, I mean, it's a huge part of the whole kind of aesthetic. Is I don't know, aesthetic is visual, but I mean, you, you a silent Harley is not a Harley. It's not. It's not a biker's bike. Right. So I guess they had to do something, although or or possibly reach out to a new market. But I suppose the the deaf Harley rider. <laughs> <laughs> there's still no rumble you have to feel the no, rumble you know it's probably true it's it's like um uh it's all gone pete tong right <laughs> you are the first person ever to bring that movie up to me instead of the other way around i like that movie <laughs> i love that movie um cool okay well i'll do my first pick and i have to load up my notes to remember what i picked because i do this every week and I start to run low. Um, okay, my first pick is a game called Jupiter Jump. And it is the hardest game I have ever played. And I'm finally getting good at it. But basically, 
you have a bouncing astronaut, and when you hit the screen, he bounces down fast, and you have to use that to avoid landmines, and then you try to hit targets as you bounce along uh, Jupiter, and that's the whole game. And it, the first 20 times you play it, you'll die in the first three seconds. And then you start to get better, and you start to make it a little farther, and then you score your first 25 points, and and you hit, like, Generally, that'll probably be the top of your, like, leaderboard because no one else really plays this game. Uh, But then after a while, you get better and you get up to, like, 400, 800 points pretty quickly. And there's something, it's a perfect, like, waiting room game. It's not something I sit down in the evening to spend an hour playing. But if I have five minutes to kill or 20 minutes to kill, it's a really good, uh, really, like, frustrating in a way that isn't... Like, it doesn't make you furious. It just eventually makes you put your phone away. I, I It occurred to me this week that I need a new game. And I'll definitely give Jupiter Jump a try. But how do you how do you find games? What, what happens to me is I get sucked into the advertisement when I'm playing one free game and they advertise some That's other one. That's how I found it. Okay. I, was play, I, think it, I think it was an ad that was in uh, Super Stickman Golf. All right. Which is another one of my favorite games. And you if you get Super Stickman Golf 2, let me know and and I'll play you. All right, I'm writing this down. The other one you should check out and I mentioned it last week I think is uh 2048, which is my current. That's my like before I shut my electronics off and go to sleep, my those like late evening moments when I just want to like stop watching TV but do something with my blue light. Um, 2048 has really really got me hooked right now. So is 2048 um, something that you do in series? Like like you said that Jupiter Jump is a waiting room game so you can stop in the middle and it doesn't, you aren't going to feel any pain. Right. So 2048 is, is more uh, engaging, more like, I don't know, reading a novel or something? No. No, it's another pickup, and I don't like long games. Infinity Blade is probably the longest game I'll play, but uh, twenty forty eight is basically it's a kind of like moving Sudoku kind of thing. No, oh. it's uh, okay. It's a pickup and and set it down. Doctor calls your name. You hit the button and and you're good to go. Pick it up later. Cool. Um. Have you played Infinity Blade? Have you seen the new one? No, I haven't. So I can't, I, I can't see I you being a big four. Infinity Blade guy. I, I now have four games I have to check out. <laughs> Infinity Blade is almost like an RPG. It is an RPG, like yeah. Dungeons and Dragons style. And you fight dragons in the new one. They come flying at you, and you have to swing at them with your broadsword. And yeah, it's fun. That's cool. the, it's the only game of uh, Infinity Blade is the only game of that type in that genre that I've ever gotten into. I never played D anD D as a kid. I like, I guess I played this one Atari game with this like with the weird blob of pixels that looked like Godzilla, <laughs> and I had like a, a stick that was supposed to be a sword, but it was an Atari, so you couldn't really tell. Yeah, and when you press the button, it probably went whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. Really fast. Except there's no sh- It's just beep, beep. We're talking 8-bit here. Okay, okay. No wishes on the 8-bit. 
No, I think you've jumped to 16-bit by now. Okay. Atari 2. <laughs> Nintendo? <laughs> um, maybe. Yeah, maybe Nintendo. Probably Nintendo. Yeah. Um, all right. So what's your second pick? Um, well, I have, um, I have exceeded 40 years of age. So they tell me, whoever they is, that pretty much everybody after the age of 40 needs to get glasses. And, um, I always had excellent eyesight. I could see far away, little specks up close, no problem. I probably would have been a great fighter pilot, but, um, about two years ago, um, I, I, it was uncomfortable. So, so I started buying the little like fold up glasses, the cheaters and all these different things. And then I stumbled across click glasses. Have you, have you seen click glasses? No, spell that. C-L-I-C. What's that sound? Sounds like someone's vacuuming. Oh, that's the fan on my Toshiba. Oh, wow. It stopped. stopped. <laughs> the microphone's close. But here's the click on the click glasses. Wow. Can you hear that? That's a click, yeah. So They're magnetic, okay. Yeah, and the magnet is in between the two lenses over the bridge of your nose. And what's the, uh, what's the benefit to that? Well, um, if you don't mind being a nerd and always wearing your glasses around your neck, the, they have like a, a plastic um, uh, back that is always there. But you can adjust them for the size of your head so they fit tightly on your head. And then when you take them off, you, you break them apart above your nose and then set them down on your neck. And then when you want to put them on, you click them above your nose. And they're just convenient. Okay. All right. Well, it's funny. On their website, they have a, a picture of a really good-looking pair of aviators. And then it jumps to a cool-looking pair of red reader glasses. And then it jumps to a UPS a USPS ad. And then there's this really weird-looking guy that jumps in from the side. And looks at you like like you just screamed in church or something. That's weird. But, yeah, yeah they look kind of cool. I'll check it out. Um, I'm going to be trying out some new Zeiss lenses soon. Uh, their, their new uh, blue light blocking lenses for people who spend most of their time looking at computers. So then everything turns orange. No, it just blocks out the the like I don't know is it ultraviolet, whatever the part you can't see but actually damages your eyes. Well, I even though I spend most of my time working with turtles, I still spend way too much time looking at computers, and I think I blame the computer for me needing click glasses. It's entirely possible, and I say that only based on recent revelations that I've uh, the things I've learned recently that I'd never realized how much damage our monitors could do to our eyes over long periods of time. But yeah, it's, it, you, you might not be far off with that. Well, at least there isn't a gun in the back shooting at your face anymore. What are you talking about? Oh, oh, okay. CRT. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, 15 years ago when you yes. had a giant box on your desk and there was a gun in the back shooting at the screen. <laughs> yes. And televisions as well. And yeah, uh, yes, it took me a second there because I was picturing literally a gun behind my monitor. It's like a you know, like a uh, 
phaser gun or something. I don't know. A, a laser shooting at your eyes. So <laughs> maybe LED's better. I don't know. I mean, technically, the sun is a gun shooting rays at us. So wear your sunglasses. Right. Um, all right. So my second pick is Plex. And I think most people who are into home entertainment have probably already been using Plex for a long time. But I had tried Plex out a long time ago, back before Apple TV even existed. And I thought it was cool, but not it didn't fit into my current media system. But I recently installed it on my, my home server and on my Roku and on my iPhone and on my iPad. And I am loving what it can do with all its new channels and the way it can just pick up my movies by like anything on my drive and I can watch it from anywhere uh, as long as my server's on. And it's pretty, pretty sweet. Do you have an Apple TV? Uh, I've, I've held off because um, all we need is Netflix. But that's not true. So, um, <laughs> so I've been holding off, but I, when uh, when uh, Amazon started advertising their little box, yeah, the uh, Fire TV, yeah, I got all excited about that, and then I found out part of the reason I got excited about it is because HBO is is signed a deal with Amazon, and I thought, oh, cool, now I can get HBO on a little box, and um, and then I found out that you can't, and yeah. so I'm still still sitting here, kind of treading water, trying to figure out what to do before my, my DVD player dies and I can't play Netflix anymore. Um, so, um, I, I, I don't know. It sounds like you prefer Roku over Apple TV today, but Apple well, TV is, <laughs> is moving forward. But. Here's, here's what I'll tell you. The Apple TV is gorgeous and fun to use. The Roku is extremely flexible, and the Amazon Fire TV it probably gets the best reviews of any box I've talked to anyone about in the last year. So it's really, it really is a hard choice. Uh, like Apple TV gives you the benefit of AirPlay, and you can, uh, you can, if you have iOS devices and other Macs, it works really well for getting things to your TV. But you can do similar things. Like on the Roku, if you load up YouTube on your computer and you have your Roku running the YouTube app, you can, you can just press a button and play what's on your computer in the regular like web YouTube. And it'll just show up on your on your television, and that's awesome. Wow. I mean, you can do similar with AirPlay, but this is like direct integration. It makes using YouTube a blast. But uh, so basically, I'm I'm trying I'm trying to say that there's really there's no easy answer. And, <laughs> okay. And you just got just got to either buy them all and then you know just play with them. Or- right, and I have, and I still can't tell you. Okay. Like every one of them has their their benefits and 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 some downsides. But mostly like the Roku's my current favorite, but I haven't had the the Fire TV yet. I plan to try it out, but the Roku's actually been so flexible that it's it's been my favorite for for a while now. Cool. All right. So, your third pick. So, um this one kind of goes with my Fiat 500e because you get a subscription to Sirius XM Radio for a year free. But um, I never really understood Sirius XM Radio. I thought it was silly. And my pick is actually... No, it's Mar- serious, Paul. 
<laughs> my my pick is actually Margaritaville on Sirius XM Radio. I I am digging that channel. And I assume they play a lot of uh they Mar- do and it, it kind of, you know, it connects up with when, when I go sailing, I just want to listen to Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> and and I've never been able to find a good Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville channel. Like all of the apps that do music like you pick a Jimmy Buffett song and then they just start playing stuff from the seventies and the eighties. And it doesn't really capture the essence of drinking a margarita on Key West. So, so yeah. Well, I was just going to say on the, on the website for it, it says they play Jimmy Buffett, Bob Marley, Jack Johnson, Zach Brown band, uh, toots and the Mai Tais, the beach boys, little feet, Kenny Chesney, Paul Simon, Cheryl Crow, UB 40. I would yes. hate this channel, <laughs> but it, it's it's the mood you have to. It, it, there's a certain mood that it it captures, and I think it does it well. I believe that, and there I have been in those moods. I have been in the Caribbean on a hammock and thought, "Man, Jimmy Buffett would be really good right now." Exactly. See, you know what I'm talking about. I do, and it's not like I listen to it all the time. But but when I get that mood, now it, it gives me my fix. It's always five o'clock somewhere. Indeed. All right. I, it, so overall, like Sirius, would you pay for Sirius? Well, I'm going to have to decide um, in whatever ten months when yeah. my free subscription expires. You know, it has an app, and um, the app is nice, so I can play streaming in the house and you know it's through the uh, local network so it doesn't cost anything uh, if i wanted to play it somewhere where i didn't have the sirius xm but i've got it in my car so then you know it doesn't doesn't cost anything but you you can create your channel on the app and um yeah i i, I just might it it there's there's got to be a breaking point i don't know how much i would pay have you that's... have you tried like rdo and spotify and the other music services yeah, Spotify. Um, actually, let me look at my music um, folder here. So, um, Pandora, Slacker, Spotify, iHeartRadio, AHA Radio, they're all on there. And <laughs> n- none of them really grabbed me. But I like, I mean, because I'm playing serious in the car, then the the app is, it's it's actually working for me. Sure. And serious is more like radio, where it's curated music selections you don't have to build playlists and everything so that's a little different right but you can like things and you can save things and um, yeah. you know it's it, it gives you some flexibility well cool margaritaville it is then <laughs> bookmarked it all right well my last pick this week is a cool little app for falling asleep and it's called my sleep button and it uses relatively new ideas um, I, I can't remember the exact term they use for the science, but it's disruptive. Like basically, uh, there, there are a few ways it can put you to sleep, but the, the first one is you imagine objects and, or scenes and it, every like 15 seconds, it just names an object in a, in a soft voice and you can choose male or female or synthetic and it'll just say like barber. And you picture whatever comes to mind for barber. And then 15 seconds later, it'll say bread. And then you, you picture bread. 
and the the act of just every so many seconds changing completely what you're thinking about disrupts your brain from being able to get onto those like racing thought tracks that keep you awake at night and eventually like as it becomes second nature to just you know hear the voice picture something hear the voice picture something you just start to drift off and fall asleep and uh it also has a a mode where you can draw things in your mind and it'll give you something simple and you you start you you picture a pencil and paper and you draw the object and i found that one actually very very effective for just making myself get into that really drowsy state where n- nothing really uh no thoughts can penetrate anymore cuz that's the hardest part for me is like i I lay down and immediately start thinking about tomorrow and what I have to do and what I did or didn't get done that day and who said what to me and why I didn't say back. And it's just like just thoughts that just pile on top of each other and then I don't fall asleep for hours. But this uh, this works really well. This works better than pizza is for me. It's basically like counting sheep. It is, but the sheep change color. And make different sounds. It, like counting sheep, it's too easy. It gets too redundant. And my brain goes on autopilot as sheep jump over a fence. And meanwhile, other you thoughts start, start to creep thinking in. about other things. Yeah. Right. We need, a, we need a, a playbook for counting sheep. And this is it. And that's, that's how I feel. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So uh, if you have trouble sleeping, I don't know. You probably sleep well after a good day of uh, a thousand turtles. Yeah, and a couple of beers. I, I, I mean, I, it's true. I have a lot less trouble sleeping now than I used to. Um, but I know exactly what you're talking about. And I have I have some other tools that have worked for me, just writing all the thoughts down. Yeah, I do helps. that. But, um, and sometimes you have some pretty genius ideas. But sometimes it still happens. Um, you know, there's some problem I can't solve, and it's driving me nuts. My, and I can't sleep. So. My genius ideas happen after I fall asleep. Like, I'll wake up with genius ideas, but I certainly don't have them while I'm laying in bed fretting about things when I should be sleeping. <laughs> Worrying. Yeah. All right. Well, I uh, I think we've done all our sponsors for the day, so that brings us to the end of the show. As I, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Paul can be found on Twitter at, and I'm going to spell this out, but it's Kasakakwog, and it's K-A-S-A-K-O-K-W-O-G, and yes, I will put that in the show notes. Um, do you have any websites other than the Conservancy website that you'd like to link, Paul? Um, no, just turtleconservancy.org. Got it. It'll be in the show notes. All right. And I am Brett Terpstra. I am at brettterpstra.com and TT Scoff everywhere else. And uh, thanks a ton for taking the time today, Paul. Yeah, thanks for asking. It's uh, been fun. All right. And uh, thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you in a week.